Passion for God and compassion for our neighbor. Reaching people with Jesus. This is Crosswinds Church. And now, here's Pastor Kurt Truxas. If you don't know me, my name is Kurt. I'm usually up in the Spirit Lake campus, but Pastor Jordan and I are going to do another switcheroo, switch campuses, and so I love the privilege of being down here with you guys. And I was really thankful that uh, Pastor Stephen sort of gave a disclaimer at the front there about everybody being tired and worn out between Christmas and New Year's. So and it's not just you guys, it's, it's me too. So I'm right there with you. Uh, I'm going to pray and then we have a, a fun message for you today and hopefully it'll be something that'll encourage you in your love for Jesus and for God's Word. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the chance to be able to come before my brothers and sisters and to be able to open your book and to have the opportunity to be able to explain the greatness and goodness of this wonderful book of the Bible that you have given us. I ask that you would motivate us and encourage us to keep our finger in the text, not just on Sundays, but on all days. And we especially ask that you would be very gracious to our, our families, you'd be gracious to us, you'd be gracious to our nation, that you would pour out this year from your just abundant goodness, you would pour out spiritual revival in our personal hearts, spiritual revival in um, our families, spiritual revival here in our communities, and we especially pray for spiritual revival in our nation. Uh, Jesus, I ask that as we study today, that you would even now begin, Holy Spirit, working in us, drawing us to yourself in a powerful way. And help me as a pastor to be able to teach your word faithfully, and I thank you for the privilege of being able to teach from your book. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, this Sunday, or next Sunday, we're going to be back in 2 Samuel. We're going to be picking up there. This week, we're going to do something a little different. Typically, what we do at Crosswinds is we have one of our goals is to keep our finger in the text, and we like to teach through the Bible. But more important than just being in the Bible on Sundays is, quite honestly, we need to be in the Bible every day. We don't need to just open the Bible on the weekend for one day a week. We should open it all days a week. Because the truth is that for us to be able to walk faithfully with Jesus, we constantly have to have the Word of God flowing through the blood of our body, flowing through the thoughts of our lives. Because if we don't, there's plenty of other things that are getting put in our heads all the time, right? Like what in your YouTube YouTube cat videos, anybody like to watch those? You know, over the latest thing on social media with Facebook, a couple TikTokers here that are just like in the, in the, in the zone, you know, just TikToking away, the latest thing. And we're always filling our minds with those things. And if we don't take the time to consciously, you know, put the Bible into our world and let it get back into our psyches, the Bible gets pushed down and TikTok and X and whatever happens to be your favorite social media gets pushed up. And even though we may know the Bible, it's easy to forget about the Bible. So that's why it's so important for us not just to have the Word of God open one day a week, but for us to personally open it every day a week. 
And to drive that point home, this morning we're just going to study one chapter from the Word of God. The problem with this is this is the longest chapter in all of the Word of God. It's 176 verses. Now, I need to put you at ease. We're not going to read all 176 verses. I also have to tell you, we're not going to study all 176 verses, unless someone like you wants to be here until the next year is welcomed in. I've got, you know, see, I can do audience back and forth here. I'm ready for you. you know? So we'll have a special message after the message just for him. All right? That sounds good. You just sit there by yourself. I'll talk. Be careful. I can do it. Okay. So Psalm 119 is a psalm written by David, and even though it's 176 verses, it's all about one thing. It's about the importance, the value, and the wonder of the Word of God. I like to call this psalm the alphabet psalm. In our alphabet, we have 26 letters. In the Hebrew alphabet, they have 26 two letters. And this psalm is written based upon the Hebrew alphabet. The first eight verses all begin with the Hebrew letter Aleph, the equivalent of R-A. The next eight verses begin with the Hebrew letter Bet, the equivalent of R-B. The next eight verses begin with the letter Gimel, which is the equivalent of R-C, and it continues all the way through the entire Hebrew alphabet, which is why this ended up being such a very long psalm. But remember, it's a lot of verses, but every single verse is about the wonder, the value, and the incredible treasure we have in the Word of God. Maybe some of you are old enough to remember when we had the Gulf War. Remember when they went into Iraq and they said the very first days of that was called the shock and awe campaign? You remember, you remember that. Dick remembers that. We're going to overwhelm them. Dick, we're showing our age here, buddy, okay? All right. Yeah. We're going to overwhelm them with the sheer firepower and explosions and bombs just to break the will of the enemy. This psalm is a little bit like that. It's a shock and awe psalm. That's why it's just, it's like one bullet after the other, verse after verse on the importance and the power of the Word of God. It's to leave us in awe of how great this book is. We're going to break this study up, by the way, under three headings. And they are, you know, what we love the Bible because of what it is. Then we'll look at we love the Bible because of what it does. And then we'll look at the application is, what does the Bible say we should do with this book to then get it into our lives? So most of every single point that we'll have in here will just be quoting a verse right out of Psalm 119. Though there's a couple places I'll pull in of extra supporting verses, but Psalm 119 sort of says it all about our book. So let's begin with this. We love the Bible because of what it is. The first thing we want to see, the Bible is eternal. Psalm 119, verse 89. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Notice that, forever. Or here's one that's a supporting verse, Isaiah 40, verse 8. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. 
this Christmas. We were fortunate. I had all the kids home. As I told some of you, we had 10 people in the house and three dogs. Everybody was there. It was a chaos for at least 24 hours. But the kids, when they were home, they decided, just for whatever reason, they would go into the storage room in the house, and they'd start to rummage through the stuff that happens to be found there. You know, it's, I'm a little ashamed what we have in our storage room. I mean, we have bills that were like from 10 years ago that should have been thrown out a long time ago. Uh, there is the manual for the microwave that we still no longer own. That is, but we somehow we still have the manual for that microwave. You know, we have some old sales flyers. I found some dated newspapers. And yes, we still have a VCR. I discovered it. And we still have one of those old cathode ray tube TVs, you know, those big ones. I, I don't know why we haven't gotten rid of this. But we have a lot of out-of-date information and a lot of out-of-date stuff in our storage room. I just want to admit that. And we're probably the only family that has those things in their storage room, right? Uh, you guys have the same problem. Like, we ought to get together sometime and just, like, clean this stuff out. But here is where the Bible, I want you to know, is very different. The Bible, some portions of it were written 4,000 years ago. Some portions were written 2,000 years ago in the New Testament. But since it's God's Word, it is it lasts forever, it has value forever, and you need to know it never, ever, ever goes out of date. The Bible does not contain useless information, even though it's 2,000 years old in the New Testament. Now, the manual in our microwave that we no longer have, that's very useless information. That should have been thrown out. But the Bible, like I said, is extremely different. Um, you ever notice what it said here? Your word is firmly fixed in the heavens, and the grass withers, but the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. Did you think about this? That in heaven someday, for all eternity, do you realize we will still have this book? Even in heaven and in all eternity, the words of this book that you hold in our hand won't just still exist, but it'll still be relevant. It'll still be valuable. It won't be outdated. Now, something else that's interesting about this. The words of this book, like take for the New Testament, for instance, written 2,000 years ago, those words were used to give people spiritual life. But those very same words still give people spiritual life today when they read them. We see this in 1 Peter 1, 23. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. The interesting thing is when people read the words, even if they're 2,000 years old, these words are the words that God uses to create spiritual life. So ten in, you could go home today. Maybe you got a new refrigerator for Christmas. And maybe you're learning that new refrigerator. And you could spend this afternoon reading the manual on the new refrigerator, which I would recommend you actually do so you learn how to use your refrigerator. But just realize that 10 years from now, the information you read on the manual in the refrigerator is going to be out of date and useless. But if you were to go home today 
and you were to open the Bible, and you were to read this book and more firmly plant it in your heart, I want you to know that 10 years from now, that information will not be out of date. That information will still be really relevant to you, especially if you can still recall it to mind. God will still be using it. So, the first thing we know about the Bible is what it is. It has eternal value. It lasts forever. Now, the next one is the Bible has infinite value. That's point two. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of, thousands of gold and silver pieces. David says in Psalm 119, if you could choose between winning the lottery and having a Bible, having a Bible would be a better choice. It's worth more than as much money as you could ever compile. Would you rather be Elon Musk without a Bible? Or would you rather be just who you are today with a Bible? It's better to have a Bible than it is to be a billionaire. That's exactly what the, the Bible says. I like way, another part of Psalm 119, verse 37. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. There are many things in life that take our time. There's time with friends, right? There's time with work. And of course, I've learned in the younger generation, you have to make time for video games, I've been told. I don't know why. I can't rationalize why you want to make time for video games, but the younger generation tells me that's sort of important. Then there's this thing called social media, which, by the way, you never seem to get to the end of. Have you noticed that? As long as your thumb will move, it'll still keep scrolling. Plenty of things like social media. And then, of course, there's YouTube, all kinds of things that you can watch forever. I'm sort of teasing you a little bit. Isn't there a ton of things in life that will fritter away our time? That'll just burn our time away on empty, meaningless things that have absolutely no redemptive or lasting value? David's prayer here in Psalm 119 is turn my heart away from those things that are just empty wastes of my time. And he says, help me, Lord, to make sure I'm investing my time in things that have lasting value. What has lasting value when Psalm 119 in every verse is about one topic? What is he talking about that has lasting value? The Word of God. Exactly. Every single bit of energy we put into studying, reading, learning, obeying the Word of God is relevant information that'll be relevant forever, that is not a waste of your time, that is an investment in your time, which will have a good return for your time. One of the reasons that the Bible is so valuable is not just because God uses the Bible to create spiritual life, but God uses our time in the Word to sustain our spiritual life. The only way that we can walk faithfully, effectively, and consistently with God is if we keep our finger in this book. We drift away from this book, we drift away from Jesus, at least in our practical daily living. Look what it says in Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, 
which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but, by, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Today, when you leave, hopefully you'll have a chance to go eat something. Right, Paul? Yeah. He's like, man does not live by bread alone, but bread is still pretty good, right? Yep. Exactly. We need to eat something. But just as important as bread is to our physical life is the word of God to our spiritual life. Now, if you open this book only once a week on Sunday, how healthy are you going to be? We're all going to look like a bunch of skinny Ethiopians running around when it comes to our spiritual fitness, right? This is why we have to let ourselves read this book because it's essential for our spiritual life. So many things that we can do with our life have no return in value. But then often we leave this book closed on our desk, which is the one thing that has infinite value, which is the one thing we need for our spiritual bread to be able to walk with Jesus. The next thing we learn about the Bible, we've seen that it, ha um, it lasts forever. We've seen that it has infinite value. Now we see this. The Bible is truth in a world of deception. Some more verses from Psalm 119. Your righteousness is righteous forever, and your law is true, it says. You put false ways far from me, and graciously teach me your law, because why? Your law is true. Now, if you're like me, you are very frustrated with the media nowadays because it's really hard to find this thing called truth, right? The media is consistent spin. It's an agenda trying to get you to believe a certain way, get you to think a certain thing. I always find it funny. When something happens in the news, I'll go to a conservative media and then I'll go to a liberal media and they'll take the same story and they'll spin it completely different ways just because they want to spin things. Even if you go to what I call the underground media, you know, trying to look at some people on X or trying to look at some people on their, their internet sites and social media, what they're saying about a subject, even they are trying to spin things. It's very hard to find simple, straightforward truth. But it's not hard to find it when you open this book. Because this book describes itself as truth. It is God's word. God's not going to lie. I call this book the ultimate no-spin zone. Isn't that what it is? It is the straight truth. Now, some things in the Bible, I'll admit, are hard to understand. Some things in the Bible people misunderstand. But when the Bible speaks... It always speaks the truth. We may misunderstand it. We may not understand it correctly, but it's speaking to us truly. Titus chapter 1, verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. Or John 17, 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So whatever the Bible says, it can be trusted because God cannot lie. It always speaks without error. And the Bible will tell us, by the way, the problem is 
always sin? And the answer is always Jesus. If you already, no matter what is going on in the news, what's going on in a person's life, it could be a relational breakdown. It could be an economic breakdown. If you get to the bottom of it, it's a sinful issue and Jesus is the solution. That's no spin. Next thing that the Bible is. The Bible is protection in times of trouble. Once again, coming from Psalm 119. Trouble and anguish have found me out, but your commandments are my delight. Or, you are my hiding place and my shield. I have hope in your world. When life falls apart, folks, where are you going to turn? Where are you going to go? God's word are described as a shield that protects us. It's a place of cover when the bullets start flying. When life falls apart, we hope in God's word, and God's word holds us together when the world falls apart around us. Now, I want to do a little audience participation here. Has anybody ever had a time where life fell apart in their personal world? Oh, all of us. Yeah, right. And has anybody ever gone to the Bible and been reading it and seeking God in those times when your life fell apart? Anybody? Does the Word of God hold you together? Does the Word of God keep you going? Did the Holy Spirit use that to help you see light at the end of a tunnel where all you saw before was darkness? Of course. God uses His Word to, get, to protect us in times of trouble. So when life falls apart for you, you can turn to a lot of different things. I mean, you can choose to start reading Moby Dick, but I don't think it's going to help you. You can choose to start reading Harry Potter, but I don't think you're going to come away too comforted. I mean, you can turn to the bottle. A lot of people turn there. But they will never protect you and get you through. But this book will. When the bottom falls out in your world, you'll be shocked. You can open this book. You'll start reading it. And it won't be but a half hour. And all of a sudden, you'll say, God, did you just write that verse just for me? That is what I needed to hear to get me through this day. It's happened to me many times. It's happened to you many times. That's why this book is so valuable. Another one, the Bible is a source of joy. Once again, from Psalm 119, your testimonies are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. Or in verse 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. So do you want to be a joy-filled person or do you want to be a depressed person? I mean, really, the, the church is up to you. The best way to find joy and to have joy in your life and just to be an exudingly joyful person is to keep your finger in this book. Well, why does this book make us so joy-filled? I'll give you a couple of reasons. Because in this book, and in this book alone, you will find about God's amazing grace for you and love for you, and forgiveness of you in spite of your sin all through Jesus Christ who died in your place for your sin to save you in full and you deserve none of it. How could you not know that and embrace that and be reminded of that and not be a joy-filled person? In this book, such as in Ephesians chapter 1, we find 
that the Bible says that God's plans for us are to put us together with Jesus Christ for all of eternity. And our new identity through Jesus is that we, you and I are now the most blessed beings in the entire universe. If God wanted to be more gracious, he couldn't be more gracious than he already has been to you and me through Jesus. There'll be no being in God's vast universe that they hold such an exalted high position as those who have been the adopted brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ, the one who created everything and the one who died to save you. How could you not be a joy-filled person? After reading that, after knowing that, I don't know what else has gone on in your life, but you know, you read this book and the Bible tells us that God loves you. God loves you. Your family may have turned their back on you. This morning, your children may no longer talk to you. This morning, you may be totally alone, but you need to know, you open this book, it says God loves you. He knows all that you have done. He knows every sin and every failure, but he loves you. And he sent his son to die for you. How can that, reading that, not fill you with joy in your hearts? You're not going to find joy from looking at the evening news. I got to tell you that. You'll find a lot of stress. And you're going to be like my dad, not getting to sleep till four in the morning because he watched the news. You know, but you read this and there is hope. There are hope in what God has done for us. Let me summarize some of the things about the Bible. We learned we love the Bible because of what it is. Well, we know it's eternal. It's the, God's words are always relevant. There's no expiration date on this book. There may be expiration date on your eggs, even on your pop, but not on this book. God's word has infinite value. Better to be a, having a Bible than to be a billionaire. God's word is truth. This is the only place you find the no spin zone. And God's word is a source of joy because here in this book we find the message of God's incredible gracious love for us and grace to us, especially through Jesus that we do not deserve and that fills us with joy. Well, that brings us to the next major thing we're going to look at. We love the Bible because of what it does in us and does to us. The first thing is this. You know, the Bible brings us happiness. It does. We get this out of the first two verses of Psalm 119. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. That sounds great. There's this problem that's called the word blessed. That sounds so old-fashioned. It sounds so antiquated. Oh, blessed you. And the kids are going, I have no idea. Did somebody sneeze? You know, like, bless you. What's that mean? The Hebrew word, if you look up blessed, the Hebrew word, it says blessed dash happy. That's what it means. It just means happy. Happiness in life is tied to how much we value the word of God in our life. The devil, now he wants you to think that this book is there to ruin you. The devil wants you to think that God's words are to take away life. That's not true, folks. It's the exact opposite. 
God's words are given to us to give us life, not to take away life. Isn't that the same strategy that Satan used in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve? Oh, you don't want to follow God's words. You don't want to listen to God's words. He's trying to ruin your life. When actually, all of God's words were to give Adam and Eve life because he loved them. Understand this, folks. Everything that God says in this book for you and me is not to take away your life. It's to give you life because he loves you. Reminds me of some conversations I've had in recent days with my boys. I've got some boys that are in their mid-20s now, and upper 20s. And I remember when they were teenagers, you know, you know strong-willed guys. They got it from their dad, probably. And, uh, you know, you, you tell them, no, you don't want to do that. No, you shouldn't do that. If you do this, and these, this could happen to you. And I'd have all these conversations, and you could picture at it. Oh, Dad, you're just, you don't understand. Oh, Dad, that won't happen to me. Nowadays, they think a little differently. Now they say, Dad, you were right. We should have listened. Now we know that everything you said that we thought you were trying to ruin us is actually because you loved us and we probably should have listened to you a little better. Now that we've come to our mid-20s and realized you're right. But isn't it the same thing with God's Word? It is not there to take away our life. It is to give us life and happiness. Reading, knowing, obeying, God's word will always give us life even when it doesn't seem like the easy thing to do. There'll be times in life where there'll be things in God's word that'll say to do certain things that seem like they don't make sense. Well, this is not in my, my notes. I'll just say it. You know, hopefully it comes out okay. So we'll see what I say. But when I do premarital counseling, one of the things I always end up telling a couple, it seems like almost every couple comes into my office and they're living together. And they're living together before the wedding and I just tell them, guys, I want you to know, that is not God's plan for you to be together before you are married. That's what the scripture says. And then they always say to me, well, we can't afford to live apart. And I say, well, it's not an issue of finances. It's an issue of faith. If God says what the right thing is to do, do you believe that he will provide for you and enable you to do the right thing? You may not have the finances now, but I guarantee you, if in faith you choose to move apart, and maybe one of you has to go live in a buddy's basement on their couch, God will provide a way every single time for you to be able to do the right thing. He'll provide the finances. It's faith, not finances, that is the issue. Do you trust him or not? And everything he says in his word, please listen to me, is not because he hates you. It's because he loves you. It's because he wants what is best for you. Do you believe him or not? If he loves you enough to give his only son, that which is most precious to him, to die the most agonizing death ever in your place, 
Do you think anything else he's going to say in here is to ruin your life? Do you trust him or not? Next thing. The Bible cleanses from sin. Verse 32. It says, I will run in the way of your commandments when you enlarge my heart. Which, is, If you look at the footnote there, it says another translation at the end of this, when you set my heart free. Psalm 119 is all talking about the Word of God and what the Word of God is and what the Word of God does in us. And essentially what David is saying here is God's commandments, God's Word, sets our hearts free. It breaks the grip of sin in our life. If you are somebody who's struggling with a sinful desire, maybe it's greed, maybe it's lust, maybe it's anger. Let me tell you what you need to do. Find a verse that addresses that specific sinful struggle that you have and memorize it. Commit it to mind. And you know what the Holy Spirit does when you go into that battle with that temptation? What does he bring back to mind? That memory verse. And those verses you'll find God will use to give you victory over the temptation. Anybody else memorized verses and God brought those to mind and helped you get victory over the temptation? Anybody? Yeah, that's exactly the way God's word works. It cleanses us from sin. It breaks the grip of sin. Now, there's another little uh, section. It's not directly in Psalm 119, but I think it's so wonderful. It's Ephesians chapter 5. Let me read this to you and you can see the, the cleansing effect of God's word. It says, husband loved your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Now, this is in a big picture talking about the relationship between a husband and wife and then how it parallels the relationship between Christ and his church, but how Christ cleanses in church, his church and washes his church with the water of the what? Word. That God's word cleanses God's people. God's word breaks the grip of sin in our life. It breaks the grip of addiction in our life. It helps break the grip of depression in our life. If you are struggling with a sinful desire or something that's even like anger or depression, let me tell you what you need to do. And this may sound like a little stiff, but it's true. Start reading God's Word. Immerse yourself in God's Word. Read it in the morning before you go to work. Read it at night, again, when you get home. Constantly be flowing that Word through your heart. You will be shocked at how it literally rewrites your thinking patterns in your mind. It changes you. Because the Word of God is living, it is active, sharper than a very double-edged sword. Right? Right? So immerse yourself in the Word. It'll break the grip of sin in your life. Another point here, what the Word of God does. The Bible brings life and success. Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it 
according to your word. There's the word again. And verse 80, may my heart be blameless in your statutes. <laughs> I have a lot of your, your word in my heart that I may not be put to shame. Success in this life is ultimately tied to loving and obeying God's word in this life. Now, I'm not, when I say success, by the way, let me clarify that. Because somebody says success, does that mean all of a sudden I'm going to have no problems? No, I didn't say that. Success, does that mean I'm going to be rich? No, I didn't say that. That's called the prosperity gospel. We're actually talking about the biblical gospel. The biblical gospel means, success means that when we are done, God says, well done, good and faithful servant. That may not be an easy life. That may not be a rich life. That may be a hard life. But what matters more than any money we get in this world, any success or fame and recognition, is the smile on the face of Jesus on the day we see him, right? And this book is what enables us to live a successful life pleasing to Jesus. Now, one of these verses here talked about the importance of this book in the life of a young man. Young men, listen to me on this. How can a young man, what does it say, keep his way pure by guarding it according to your word? Here's what's going to happen. You're a young man, I said you get out of the house, you go to college, and you instantly face all kinds of temptations. Your friends are going to say, hey, come on, your parents aren't here anymore. Drink this, we're going to a party. Smoke this, do this. All the cool people do this. A lot of temptation. How are you going to avoid it? The word is going to, what's going to keep you strong and enable you to turn away. But after you get out of college and you're facing those kind of temptations, then what happens to young men is all of a sudden they get responsibility. They get a girlfriend. And all of a sudden they get a wife. And now they're not just responsible for themselves, but they're responsible for somebody else. And then all of a sudden these little things come in the house. Real small human beings start running around. Little kid, right? Yeah. She's like, yes, amen, preach that. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, you have all these kids. And now you have not just yourself, and a wife, but you have a bunch of kids that are all leaning on you and responsible to you. And there's different kinds of temptations. There's greed. There's workaholism, making your work your God. All kinds of things. Lots of opportunities. But here's the problem. At that point, you've got a lot of people depending on you. People depending on you at work. People depending on you at home. And you've got a lot of temptations in your life. How do you not fail? And blow it. Because if you blow it, a lot of people are affected. Here's how. This book. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. This book is what enables young men to live successfully. I like this one. It says, your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. Anybody ever want to go to a counselor? I've got one for free. Right here. It's this book, The Wisest Counselor. Here's another one. The Bible brings peace in times of anxiety. Psalm 119, verse 165. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. Or verse 92. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. 
So the Bible is, or the life is full of stress. And all of us have that. Anybody ever go through times of anxiety about the future? Yeah, just the ladies, right? No, I've had plenty of those as well. When we face times of anxiety about the future, this book is the place we find peace. I remember times in my life where I've been so overwhelmed, got on my floor, just called out to God on my knees, and God, what if this happens? I've got a problem here. If this happens, I've got a problem here. I'm concerned. I'm worried. You know, what if we don't have enough money? I don't know where we're going to be able to provide for my family. I don't know how we're going to make the paychecks meet. You start reading the Word and talking to God, and God gives you this overwhelming sense of peace. He's like, I've got this. I've got this. Did I get that peace in prayer? Yes, but I also got that peace as I prayed and read the Word of God and saw God's faithfulness to others in the past, and He was faithful to His people who called out to Him in the past. He'll be faithful to me when I call out to Him in the present. And that's what the Word of God does for us. It gives us peace in times of anxiety. And here's some more verses on that very topic. Verse 50 of 119. This is my comfort and my affliction, that your promise gives me life. Or verse 28, my soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. Strength comes from the word in times of sorrow. Now, let's summarize what we learned in this section. What does the word of God do for us? Well, first of all, it brings us happiness. Secondly, it brings us freedom from the power of sin. It breaks the grip of sin. Thirdly, it holds the key to success in life, especially we talked about that for young men. Oh, and I must have skipped a point, which is illuminating a path so we make good choices. Did I skip a point, guys? Oh, I did. Point D. Tell you what, since I don't have a second service, I'm going to go back and do it. <laughs> I couldn't do this in Spirit Lake. Well, that's good. The Bible gives guidance for life's decisions. This is a really good one. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The Bible describes itself as a flashlight showing us the way of where we should go. When I was writing this, I remember what came to mind. There was a time I was driving between Sibley and Lakefield, and you know how you follow the map on your phone and it brings you in the strangest, weirdest places you never thought existed? Some of you were amening me on that, yeah. I'm following the map of my phone. I'm going in the middle of these fields. There are no street lights anywhere. I don't see any lights for any farms anywhere, and there's no moon. It is completely dark out. I'm like, man, this is like really freaky. I'm just like going on forever through these fields. And I just like turned my lights out for a moment, and it was pitch dark, and I quickly turned it back on. I said, you know, if my headlights went off, I would have absolutely no idea where to go. I couldn't make any progress. I'd be in the ditch. And then I thought to myself, this verse that your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If it had not been for God's word, we would not know how to make good choices and right choices and God-pleasing choices in this life. Isn't that true? Because it shows us the truth and the right way to go. If you think it's crazy to drive between Sibley and Lakefield on a moonless night with your headlights off, it's even crazier to try and live life without the illuminating word of God guiding us in our choices for everyday life. True, 
Isn't that true? Okay, we'll jump down to the last point. Given all these things you've learned about what the Bible is and what the Bible does, how should I treat my Bible? And once again, we're going to go right back to Psalm 119. Just let the Word of God tell us what it says we should do with it. Firstly, I should study it. Psalm 119, verse 15. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. Or verse 148. My eyes are awake before the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promise. The key word here is it's meditate. It didn't say read. You know how we read a newspaper, we skim through it, and get through it real big, you just got to rip the information out and then forget it? That's not the way we read our Bibles. Meditate means we read, we reread, we read again, we chew on it mentally. Because if you just swallow your food whole, you get like almost no nutritional value out of it. If you chew it, you actually get some nutrition from it. We do the same thing with the Word of God. It is so rich. If we skim through it, we're going to miss so much that God has for us. Now, I don't know how you do your Bible reading plan. I'll just tell you what I do. And I'm a little bit of a geek. You don't have to follow me. But uh, I was... I like to use Logos Bible software, and I have a Bible reading plan, and this goes right through it. And then this is what I like about it. I can highlight, and I can put sticky notes right in my Bible. My sticky notes can be as big as they want to be, a lot bigger than you people with paper Bibles. I'm fine with paper Bibles, by the way, but I'm just saying I like, I put lots of notes right in my Bible, and it syncs to my phone and stuff like that. Then I have another app, a journaling app, that when I'm reading the Bible and I see a verse I really like, I copy it into my journaling app and I type down what the verse is and I write down what God was speaking to me in my heart because it's part of that process of chewing on it. You know, if I don't have that journaling app where I, it actually syncs to my phone, it's like if I ever want to go back to it, how do I go back to it? If I'm meeting with somebody and I thought, oh, I just read that verse in my, uh, yeah, where is it? So that's how I do that. But it's, I think whatever we do, it should be something where we're chewing on the word, meditating on the word, not just quickly skimming the word. Next thing we're told is we must obey it. Verse 60, I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. Or verse 33, teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes and I will keep it to the end. Notice David doesn't say I should keep your word. He says I will keep your word. Why is he so definitive in that? I'll, I'll tell you why. Because he understands what this word is. It is the very word of God. So there's no question in his mind, I must obey it. And I was thinking as I was wrestling with this, this is part of my quiet time, you think, okay, why do I hesitate sometimes to obey God's word when I see it? It's because I forget whose words they actually are. Why do we hesitate to obey God's words when we read it? Why do other people hesitate to obey God's words when they read it? If they don't see us as the inerrant, authoritative, very words of God that are given to us to give us life and happiness and peace, you're going to hesitate to obey it when it's hard. But when you see it for what it is, you'll be eager to obey it. I should memorize it. Verse 11 from Psalm 119, I've stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Or verse 16, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Uh, as in, in the elders right now, the elders are involved in what we call Iron Man groups. 
we're in groups of two or three guys, and what we do is we hold each other accountable. We meet for about 20 minutes a week with that small group where we get to choose a verse of our own choosing that we memorize each week, and then we have to recite it to the other elders that are in our group. Because we know that if we get out of the habit of hiding God's word in our heart, we're not staying fresh with Christ and his word in our lives. And you're like, wait, wait a minute, you're 56 years old, you're still memorizing scripture? You may be 66 years old, and I still encourage you to read, read and memorize scripture. Because that's what we're told to do. Uh, D, I should enjoy it. I will find my delight in your commandments, which I love. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. Now, there's parts of the Bible, I, I will admit, that are harder than others to understand, but always try to enjoy it because it's God's word. Uh, I should sing it, the Bible says. Verse 54, your statues have been my songs in the house of my sojourning. Or verse 172, my tongue will sing of your word for all your commandments are right. Now, this is says when it comes to the things we sing, we would recommend them to be scripture put to music. Now, it doesn't mean you can't sing anything else, but I'll, my opinion is that the best things to sing are scripture put to song because it helps you learn God's word. And lastly, I should ask God's help to understand it. He says this in verse 18, open my eyes that I may behold the wondrous things out of your law. Or verse 34, give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. And I put this on the end because I just love those two verses. And there's other ones like it in Psalm 119 where David says, you know, sometimes I read your word, but I just don't get it. And so I ask God for help to understand it. And he does. That's me, guys. Not just you, it's me. Sometimes you read God's word and you're like, God, I know these are your words. I know you have them here because I need them, and they're good for me. I don't think I quite understand what's going on here. Holy Spirit, open my eyes so I could understand better the wondrous things in your word. And then I can obey you, I can follow you, and I can delight in you, my wonderful King and Savior, Jesus Christ. So hopefully you're encouraged by that. The last thing is this. I want to challenge you to get into the Bible in your life. We've been doing this for a number of years at Crosswinds. We've been had an annual take up and read challenge where we've challenged you to read the Bible. And the, the standard challenge goes like this. You know, you can read the New Testament in one year if you do one chapter a day for five days a week. You can read the Old Testament in three years if you do one chapter a day for six days a week. Have you actually read the entire Bible? Now, don't put a hands up here. I'm not asking for that. That's a rhetorical question. Asking yourself, have I read this book, which is so essential for my life, which is so essential for my happiness, which is so essential for my joy? If you haven't read the Bible in whole, I especially want to challenge you today to join our Take Up and Read Challenge one chapter of the New Testament, five days a week, and one chapter of the Old Testament, six days a week. Finishing the New Testament in one year, finishing the Old Testament in three years. 
You say, well, what about those extra days? Like, what about Saturday and Sunday? It's to catch up in case you missed. <laughs> At least that's what I do. Now, I want to encourage you with the fact that this book is so essential for your life. And how can you let me know that you're going to be part of the Take a and Read plan? Here's some things you can do. First of all, you can get onto your church app, and you can go to the groups, and you'll see Take Up and Read 2024. You can just join that group, and you'll find the reading cards uh, right in that spot, so you can join the rest of your church family. The other thing we started to do just this past week, Kevin helped me with this, is we put together a church texting number. You can simply text the word READ to that phone number that's in your bulletin. I think it's also on your screen, and it'll automatically put you in that in that group on the church app. So that's sort of a fun thing to do. You can just you simply do that. So my challenge, take up and read this book. It is the key to life, success, happiness, and joy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for the Spencer campus and thank you for the chance that we get a sh to look at Psalm 119. So much stuff in 176 verses. All about the many benefits the facets of your word. I pray that this is a little bit of a shock and awe campaign, that we are just overwhelmed by the greatness of your book, and that your people, especially the people of Crossman's, would be committed to keeping their finger in the text, not just on Sundays, but on every day of the week as we faithfully read the Old and the New Testament, asking you to shape and change our hearts and lives. We ask this in Christ's precious name. Amen. This has been a presentation of Crosswinds Church. A complete archive of sermons can be found online at crosswinds.tv. Thank you for being with us, and may God continue to enrich your life.